Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the two guys at a mic show, talkzone.com. Thank you very much. Big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. And it is our second Friday without football. Oh, how we missed the football Fridays last week. Our first football Friday without any football. Uh, we were in near depression. We were all worried how we we're going to survive the weekend. But I recall when we came back on Monday, we were surprisingly pleased with the amount of sports activities. And, of course, uh, we'll jump off the sports page as well. We don't need just sports to keep us going. But there's plenty going on over the weekend. College hoops as March Madness starts to near. NBA basketball, got a little NHL hockey. And David Olson, I believe, tomorrow. Tomorrow is when pitchers and catchers actually report. I believe you are correct, sir. Wow. Wow. Hard to believe. Pitchers and catchers reporting tomorrow. Of course, Cub outfielders. We'll be reporting in the middle of June, which is when they typically do. At least their batting averages do. 888-463-6748, the phone number. And, uh, again, the big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. No Jeremy Lin game last night, correct? I forgot to check my ESPN highlights. I'm pretty sure he did not play, but um, I believe they got a game tonight. We'll check in on Lin's sanity. By the way, the poll yesterday, we threw it out there for our fans. We thought Joel would have an advantage, you know, dog sanity or Lynn sanity. You make the choice. I thought it would be even, but obviously the Jeremy Lynn love way too much as dog sanity uh, basically got two votes. One was from me, and Joel, I'm not sure who the other vote was from. Do you have any idea who vote number two was? That was from me. Really? Yeah. I thought you couldn't do that. Look, look, I tried to remind you yesterday, that was me who voted right. for myself. Well, sorry about that. You were blown away by Linsanity. Now, correct me, uh, Big Dog, uh, hopefully I'm not wrong. There was no New York Knicks game last night? No, there was no New York okay. Knicks game last night. They're not on television tonight either, so I'm kind of surprised about that. That mm-hmm. one kind of blows me away. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they're playing tonight. Uh, supposedly Carmelo is a game-time decision, but Friday night coach, the whole NBA plays. That's like a tradition. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not on regular TV, but help me out here because I, you know, I don't get out very often. But at the sports bars now, with the multi TVs via oh, yeah. the NBA television at the local sports bars, they can get the next game, correct? Yeah, all you gotta do is just look up somebody that has season pass. Okay, I guarantee they'll be playing. Which so, uh, pretty much any sports bar is going to have season pass. Okay. Yeah, and I guarantee at this point, any bar that has season pass is going to have a Knicks game on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you want a little insanity, Jeremy Lin and the New York Knicks as they go for eight in a row tonight, a sports bar be the place to go. Speaking of sports bars, Big Dog, put a plug in for a place we will be doing a couple of live appearances, including uh, our first one, Wednesday, March 14th, Bulls, Miami, and March Madness combined. Plug it up a little, buddy. Uh, It's going to be phenomenal. So to kick off all of March Madness, we're going to be appearing at the Playbook. Everybody should start getting there around 7 p.m. on March 14th. It's the Wednesday before the, the tournament. The great thing is, is while the, the the game is going on, the game is going to be the Bulls versus the Heat. So while the game is going on, Coach and I will be uh, telling a few jokes, getting people uh, live and up. We're going to be collecting your bracket busters. But most importantly, we're going to have a draft 
for what team that you get to choose that night. So it's going to be a bunch of good stuff going on. A lot of fun, a lot of hilarity, a bunch of specials. Get your chance to win 100 bucks in the bracket bus or 100 bucks mm-hmm. to pick your dream team. So it's pretty good. You go out there. You know what? No one, uh, our listeners, Coach, somebody will go there not knowing anything. Go there, uh, get kind of drunk, end up picking like Kansas State, and Frank Martin will lead his team <laughs> to a national title. And yeah. I, I, know, I know our listeners, Coach. Yeah, and it will be the person that knows the least about March Madness, right? Yeah, and definitely had the most March Madness sauce, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. And then... I'm just to let you know, I'm not a big Bud Light drinker, but Bud Light is the number one beer in America. And as a matter of fact, more than one quarter of all the beers sold in America mm-hmm. is a Bud Light. I, that cannot be right. I read that recently. Unless it's like a, a one quarter of all domestic beers mm-hmm. that are drank in America are Bud Light. I was dumbfounded by that. They have that much of the market. But you know, they have $2 Bud Lights there, so somebody's got to be interested even though I don't drink Bud Light. Oh, yeah, it's going to be outstanding. Hopefully I'm not insulting a sponsor here. i got to get used to the whole, uh, you know, appearance thing. But, again, it's the Playbook and Niles. We'll throw out the uh, address, get more information for you. The website is playbookchicago.com. And, obviously, any of the sports bars are going to be showing Jeremy Lin and the New York Knicks tonight. But, Big Dog, um, of late, I don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing. You know, Line and Kugel Red used to be my favorite beer, but I am slowly being pulled over to the Blue Moon. Oh, my goodness, I love those. Okay. Put a slice I of orange those. in it, obviously. Huh? You have to put a slice of orange in it to get the full flavor. That helps. That helps, but I'm, I'm okay. I just wanted to make sure I'm okay with liking the Blue Moon. You know, I, I do think fruit and uh, beers are overrated, and if you need a fruit in it, that it you might not want to be drinking it. But I will tell you, you get a good half and bite and put a lemon and a Blue Moon with an orange. Are some of the few beers that I will say, you know what, is mm-hmm. good enough to to put the, the fruit in. Otherwise, I'm like, if it needs a fruit, I don't want it. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I have been vice with that. All right. With yeah, the, 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 well, the orange, yeah, the orange just brings out the flavor more. I mean, it's good without it, but it's like, I think it's a fantastic beer if you put that little bit of citrus in it with it. Okay. Yeah, and, and any type of Belgium white ale, I absolutely love. And you know what? You know, I did a good thing last night, guys. So you, I don't know why you're bringing up beer on this thing. I'm doing a good, you know, I'm fighting drinking. But I got to tell you something. I have a plan to quit drinking when I don't need to drink, Coach. And it worked out last night perfectly. I like, so the, like, I like the caveat, by the way. When I don't need to drink. Spoken like a true addict. <laughs> Go ahead. I didn't mean to rain on your break. And no, I'm, I'm all for no. you trying to become more responsible and uh enjoying your lifestyle. So I, I didn't mean to rain on your parade. Go ahead. No, no, I, I understood. I, I, I selected those words perfectly. So yes. I'm glad you noticed that. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, I wasn't trying to get one. I was trying to get one by you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it didn't. I couldn't. Shot you know, I just the figured save! Later, later on. Bannerman with a save. <laughs> so what's your point? Well, I, I just, I just like, please don't be talking about delicious beers on, oh, the, okay. on the show. Okay, yeah. Even at 10.05 in the morning, because I've actually been up since 6. I've already exercised yes. a bunch of other stuff. So and you have I'm been known to, to partake in the early morning. I think you were the creator of the expression, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. I, well, I didn't actually. That was handed down. <laughs> that was, that was uh, my an aunt told me that one morning around 7.30. <laughs> Yeah, David, before we get off the beer, got to throw one more out there, okay. which has been like my favorite beer of late. Shiner's Bach. Never had it. That's good stuff. Shiner's I Bach. I think I went, to, I went to their convention once, the Shiner's Bach convention. It's a small what? micro brew out of uh, Texas. It's fantastic. Have you had it, Doug? 
Yeah, and, and that's a little bit of a darker beer, and I technically don't like darker beers, but that's that's really, really good. Where uh, and, might you get a Shiner's Bach, David? Uh, they probably won't have it at, like, your Jewel or your Dominic's, but if you go to any any good liquor store, they'll have it. Okay. Uh, the one that I would uh, I would tell you gentlemen is you guys got to try out Roscoe's. Now uh, uh, TJ had uh, we all tried one the other day. It was phenomenal. We went out and got some more yesterday. So it, it, it's a microbrewery uh, out of like uh, New York. It is phenomenal. If you like Blue Moon, their Belgian White Ale is better than uh, uh, Blue Moon's Belgian White Ale. And give me, it, the, and I love give me the name one more time, Big Dog. Is it Roscoe? You Just said Roscoe's. Roscoe's, R-O-S-C-O-E, and then apostrophe S, and they have the Belgium white ale, and we got the, we got, TJ got two more flavors yesterday, because we left the, the first beer so much, we went out and got all three flavors that they, mm-hmm. that they saw, I just haven't tried one yet. So. Uh-huh. We got to check that out, our daily yeah, quandary, yeah. Uh, remember we used to do a daily quandary on a semi-regular basis in our morning break show, we'll throw it out there, the daily quandary for our two guys and a Mike listeners, if there is a unique beer one that is not in the common mindset that you uh, particularly find a favor. You don't mind other people finding out about it as well. Feel free to promote it on our show, 888-463-6748. We love little hidden gems. And um, Roscoe's, uh, what was David Olson's beer again? Shiner's Bach. Shiner's Bach. Yep. We'll put those two down on the uh, need to try in the not-too-distant future list. Now, Coach, I, I was once dragged on a, on a honeymoon. I had a phenomenal honeymoon, so I don't want to take this the wrong way. Phenomenal honeymoon. But while we were going to all the stuff in Northern California, about a week of it was going to be dedicated to going to different wineries. And I knew that was going to get old to me real quick. Well, eventually got old to the, to the person I was sharing the honeymoon with, and I was like, I really need to get a beer. And I said that, like, at the winery. And I'm not kidding you. A guy that worked at the winery was like, you know what? California has the best beer in the world. And I'm like, really? And this guy sent us to this one a brewery, okay? We went there, Coach. This beer was, like, made four days earlier. It was, honestly, I can't even explain how good it was. It was the greatest beer I've ever had in my life. It almost brought tears to my eyes, especially after drinking all that wine after <laughs> wine after wine after cheese and wine. Next day, I was, like, eating a bratwurst that was, like, fresh and I, like I, that's the best beer I've ever had. I don't even remember the name of the. I feel, feel real bad. I don't remember the name of the brewery or any of that. I know exactly where it was. I can picture it, and I don't even know the name of the brewery. It was, without question, maybe the most delicious thing I've ever drank in my life. One of the greatest disappointments of the big dogs' uh, honeymoon. There wasn't many. It was a very successful honeymoon. But when he found out that Budweiser did not have a winery up in uh, wine country, was I know that was a hard thing for you to take. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know how much I love Budweiser. You know, I, we are not a Budweiser house. This is this is a Miller High Life house, Coach. It's a Miller High Life house, Coach. Don't forget, I'm half Miller. What are you? So, what are you? A paid spokesman now? All of a sudden, for Miller Brewing Company? You should. If you came to my house, you would laugh to see. Like right now, I'm looking at the walls of the house. I redid the the downstairs, so it's all Miller High Life, Martin Luther King, and Chicago uh, sports teams everywhere. And then we have the Wall of Shame, which could be anything. So, yeah, we, I am a Miller spokesman. Here's the disappointing thing. About January 4th of this year, uh, my buddy Brian goes to collect our Miller Highlight points because, you know, you get the 30-pack, you get the 12-pack of bottles, you get the code, and then you get a, a, a certain amount of points, and when you collect points, you can purchase stuff like 
know, highlight clocks or, or banners or, <laughs> or, uh, or barbecues or, uh-huh. or cool shirts that say, you know, guffs on them, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> well, we've got like, I don't know how many points it was, but it was enough to get like the biggest thing on there twice. And it was like January 4th and then December 31st, whatever day it was, we missed it by like three or four days of the cutoff where you had to get the points in. Ah. And we had no idea there was a cutoff. This contest or this thing had been going on for like four years, Coach. Ah. And we missed it by three or four days and had no idea there was an end to it. Any chance you were able to redeem it for like miles at American Airlines? Uh, TJ wrote an extremely eloquent email back to them. So far we have uh, and they wrote no an extremely response. elegant no back to you probably. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it was, but it was beautifully written. It was on lovely paper, beautiful uh, self-addressed stamp envelope. But you know, there's many lovely ways to say no, Big Doug. You have no idea how many times like we just like cut those things. It's what a pain in the you know what. We got a pile of that. We got kindling for like half a year. I guess that's all we have left. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned the Hall of Shame at your particular house. Is uh, our two guys in a mic show, or maybe our old morning break radio show? Are we on? And I would feel honored to be. Are we part of the Hall of Shame? Uh, I, I have to admit, the, the Hall of Shame has been completely condensed. And it, if you're on the Hall of Shame now, you've really messed up. Okay, so uh, but uh, I have to admit, none of us have ever been uh, up there. Darn. Of all the shows we've done, of all the embarrassing moments we've had, of a record-setting uh, number of quarters of low ratings from our morning break radio show, all of that. And the many different instances, some which we could talk about, some which we probably couldn't. All of that, we could not make your apparently very elite Hall of Shame. If a man runs <laughs> through a field and he trips and his unbuttoned pants come flying down and he ends up tripping and butt naked and no one's there to see it, does he feel any embarrassment? <laughs> Good point, I think. By the way, all this beer conversation started as we were talking about sports bars, as we were talking about are you going to be able to see the New York Knicks game and Jeremy Lin. A couple of questions for you. And by the way, I love the scenario you pointed out a couple of days ago when you're in a bar. They weren't even showing the game, but they showed the highlight. And then all of a sudden everybody stopped and was like, here it is, here it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Jeremy Lin hitting the game-winning shot. People in the bar hugging each other, shouting out and grabbing. And I can relate to that because I was doing the same thing at home, not watching the game, just watching the highlight, not knowing what happened. But let me ask you this, Bulls, I don't even know if they're on tonight, but let's just put the scenario. The Bulls are on in a mid-range game. Let's not say a real bad team, but, you know, not, not Bulls in Miami. Or the New York Knicks are playing whoever they happen to be playing in a Chicago sports bar right now, what are more people watching? I'm afraid for the answer. I I, I have that's a tough question. All I know is this: is my, I'm watching the Bulls. It's, it's as simple as that. It's not even a, it's not even a question to me. If there's an option between the Bulls or anything else on television right now, I'm watching the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. But then again, I know I'm not a I'm not a easy come easy go Johnny come lately sports fan. I'm a diehard Bulls fan and. I, I, I know one thing. I'm going to get as much Jeremy Lin as I can possibly get, so I'm not too worried about it. That, that's where I come from. I understand. What, I know where you're coming from, Coach. People are going to want to have the Jeremy Lin game on. So, see, I, I, I got to say, as much as a Bulls fan as I am right now, if I were in the bar with my uh, Roscoe's microbrewing beer, I might turn seventy percent, maybe, towards the New York Knicks game right now, just to watch Jeremy Lin. Partly because I haven't seen him play that much. So I, I, would, I would really like to see like a full game of this kid play. I pretty much 
seen bits and pieces and highlights. Um, again, if it was the Bulls against a really good team, maybe, but if both teams are playing mid-range games, I hate to say it right now, I think I'm watching the Knicks. Well, I've already, I watched the whole Laker game from start to finish. I've, I have NBA TV, so that I get to see the kid constantly. So mm-hmm. this wouldn't be like the first time I got to see him. So that's, maybe that also has a little bit to do with it. And, Coach, I know you're a college guy, and I am a college guy, too, and I cannot believe I am saying this. I am really starting to lean, not towards the NBA, but I noticed I would have never chose any NBA game over a college game in the past if it had nothing to do with the Bulls. Well, now it's like, you know, I'll see, like, Denver, Sacramento on, and I'm choosing that over, like, Louisville versus Georgetown. You know what I'm saying? And that... that has, it's been since, like, when I was an immature kid and really didn't understand it. And it was basketball, and NBA basketball is just so much easier, you know, to, like, understand. And he knew all the players. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I, this is the first time in a long time I've actually been choosing NBA over the NCAA. And I really do think it has a lot to do with quality of play in the NBA. Maybe the, it's ugly this year, but it, it is more team-oriented than it, than it has been in the last 15 years or so, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of really young and exciting players in the NBA right now. Yeah, there, there really is. This is it's really it's a great time for the NBA. There's a lot of you. You talked about the point guards yesterday, Coach. You know, there may not be a lot of great young centers in the game, but then again, who really cares? Because how exciting are they to watch, anyways? But if you look at all the other wingmen and stuff, there's it's definitely a. It could be another golden era in the NBA. I feel like they could, if, if this is done right, they could have like another explosion of like the 80s and 90s again, and that. Mm-hmm. You know, it could flourish. But then again, if they keep on making sure that uh, the Oklahoma cities and the Utahs of the world have the same footing as the New Yorks and the Chicagos, that might end up coming to bite them in the end. But it's worked out for the NFL. Yeah, and I hope it's uh, I hope it's going to work out for the NBA because I think most sports fans appreciate the the uh, even floor that everybody's working with. You know, I know Oklahoma City's not the big market that New York is, but. Those of us that like sports, we like for it to be fair competition. And I think most people, I think I can speak for most people, and are turned off somewhat by the fact in baseball, and it's changing a little bit. But, you know, in baseball, teams can spend a lot more money and basically buy a much better team. And there's other teams like the Casey Royals and the Pittsburgh Pirates. As soon as they get good players, within a year or two, they got to trade those guys away. So I, I think that's a, a good trend. Hopefully it'll stay that way. Well, just to be careful what you wish, though, because, uh, you know, you wanted – you were complaining yesterday that the Hawks had to break up their team. Well, the reason why the Hawks had to break up their team is because you have to share everything equally in the NHL, so the mm-hmm. Hawks were not allowed to pay these players extra money to keep them, which they would have been more than happy to do, but they weren't allowed to. Yeah, that's a good point. But because of that, the whole team gets broke up. And now you're like, oh, this, the Hawks had a great team. We could have kept this team around and, and really built a tradition here in the city of Chicago. And now, But the NHL has it set up. Oh, well, you know, you can only... Even though you generate, I don't know, 130th of the league, you're 3% of the league, you generate about 12% of the revenue, Chicago, we're going to make sure that mm-hmm. we break up your organization. Yep, yep. and so, I was talking about that gotta, yesterday on, on the show, so yeah. point well taken, no question. But, I, I don't want to get yeah, lost yeah. in the whole whole financial world, Big Doug, because we, we can get sucked into that financial talk, uh-huh. and next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock and we're signing off the stage. But did you have a final thought on that? Yeah, well, just for that, I mean, I just, it's it's a quality. I know that the, the play is ugly this year, but I, I, I'm just starting to like NBA basketball again. It really seems mm-hmm. like like team 
and like trying hard is really bad yeah. in the NBA. Well, here, here's I think I could, if, you know, if I could play sports psychologist for a brief moment. And again, we're talking a little uh, hoop, little basketball here with the big dog. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Dial it up. Phone lines wide open. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. One of the reasons, if I could play sports psychologist, that you're liking the NBA now, and I'm kind of with you on this, is. It's becoming a little, it's, it's almost got a collegiate feel to it with the young players coming in, the young athletic players, coaches at least a little bit more letting their guys go up and down the court. So I think that college feel with the young kids coming in the game, uh, basically big dog, what 20% of the league are college age players, right? Uh, yeah, that's to say, yeah, within, yeah, 20% of the league is within like 23 to 19 years old. Yeah. Easily. So maybe even more. Yeah. So I think that you know, and they're bringing that aspect to the game, and I think the coaches are adopting a little bit. It's still a big difference, but I think it's it's getting that way a little bit. And when I say that way, a little bit more free flowing and athletic, and the young and enthusiasm and the uh, passion of the game and the emotion of the game that we like in college that sometimes we don't see in pro. It's still a big difference, but I think the young kids are changing that a little bit. Maybe that's why you like it so much. Okay, and no, no, what else it was? Okay, so all the way up until the early 90s, this was an American game. Yeah, we had like a couple, like legitimately once every like five years, a foreign guy would come in and make any type of impact on the NBA. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, Drazen Petrovic and Tony Kukoc, they proved that you can play in the NBA, and there was this huge influx of European talent. A lot of those guys weren't ready to play. They had all these other first-round draft picks that were uh, high school kids that were never going to be any good in the NBA, but these guys keep them on the roster. These, like uh, uh, The GM keeps these guys on the roster for three or four years because they don't want to waste a first-round pick. It was just an ugly, ugly era. All like all this major changes of everything that was going to be different about basketball happened all at the same time. And then you also have the era of the guys that were born in the United States they were like, oh, I want to be Michael Jordan and shoot fadeaway jumpers. Well, you're not that good. You can't play that way. And uh, it all happened at the same time. That's why I think for like 10 years the game was so unbearable to watch. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, European players know what they have to get work on when they get to the NBA. So they're ready when they get here. And they could play NBA-style basketball. And NBA players know what European players can do. And, and all of a sudden you don't have so many, like, you know, you would realize that if a guy plays one year in college, whether or not they should have been drafted in the first round. Be like, wow, we were going to draft him in the first round last year, and now we realize that he, he can't even get on the floor for North Carolina. So all that stuff doesn't happen anymore, and all of a sudden the league is so much better for it. We just got an email coming in from someone who claims to be Vlade Divac's younger cousin and says that uh, he or she, I think it's a she, is deeply insulted by your comments on behalf of Vlade Divac's. Uh, by the way, yeah, Vlade Divac was one of those guys that once every five years there'd be a foreign player that came into the league that was good. Yeah, so I'm I'm sorry you felt that way. Mm-hmm. You were what I and uh, so you must have been the cousin that couldn't play. <laughs> I think Vlade Divac had a lot of cousins that couldn't play, but uh, I think the advent of back hair removal and the number of companies in the states that were able to do that effectively, I think that's a big part for improving the European players. And their uh, persona here in the states, but that's just me. Interesting that the European players that have been so successful yep. were uh, Los Angeles, Miami, New York. A lot of the places where they have a lot of that, like uh, 
pampering type issues yes. going on. See, there you go. Now, uh, Arvidas Sabonis, they didn't have that up in Portland, but he didn't mind, Coach. It was an advantage. He took it as an advantage. Yep. Smart man. They call that the Arvidas Sabonis exception, I believe, up in uh, Portland. And it's interesting you mentioned the um, internationality of the NBA because I, I got a little bit of a kick, a little chuckle anyways, when the Sports Illustrated came in and with Jeremy Lin on the cover. And by the way, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue came in the same day as the regular issue. So poor Jeremy Lin. His one moment of stardom, maybe his 15 minutes of fame, big guy, he picks the week to be on the cover the same week that the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue is delivered. So tough break for Jeremy Lin. How there is a lovely uh, beach spread, though, of Jeremy Lin right between a couple of models, but that's a whole other story. But the Jeremy Lin article on the rise and shine of a new superstar in the NBA, I just got a little chuckle. It was written, the author of it was, I think the guy's name was Juan Pablo Montoya or something like that. So you got a story of a Asian American player, and it's written by a Hispanic NBA star. Beautiful. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that's only in America, as Don King would say. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, three athletes, three athletes pictured in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, Big Dog. And I can't say I read the articles because this year's Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, there are no articles. They took that out, so you can't even use that as an excuse. But so uh, just the Jeremy Lin, just Jeremy Lin. No, 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 two separate issues. Oh, okay. Jeremy Lin's in the regular sports store. The swimsuit issue is so big now that it's its own entity. Okay. So it came in completely separate. But uh, you've got Natalie Gobus, the golfer. Okay. Remember she used to go out with. Remember what football player? Um, I'm gonna Vince Wilfork. Ben. <laughs> Oh, fortunately, he's not pictured. Actually, that would be an interesting picture. No, Ben Roethlisberger and Natalie Gulbis. He went they, out with Ray They were an item for quite a while, but Natalie Gulbis, the uh, the female golfer, awfully good. Awfully I good. Know. They've got swimmer. I think she's Olympic backstroke, I believe, was her event, Natalie Kaufman. Oh, yeah, she's the backstroke. And then my personal favorite uh, young superstar of our women's soccer team, Alex Morgan, with the painted bikini top. And Bob, I don't know if you, you were not a big women's soccer fan. She was like 19 years old, the young, up-and-coming superstar on the team. She scored a couple of goals in the World Cup, Alex Morgan. Those are the three athletes featured on them. I know, I'm familiar with the work. I'm just not familiar with how to actually paint uh, paint onto a body, so I'll be more than willing. Yes, uh, I'm sure uh, you would. Touch off on anything. Okay. Well, what if Arvana Sabonis requests to be body painted? Would that would that desire still be uh, in effect? They got those hoses with the with the paint that you can shoot out, coach. <laughs> From a safe distance, huh? Yes, I have no problem. Okay, I'm comfortable <laughs> with my masculinity. Okay, I'm not that. Oh you know. goodness! By the way, we haven't talked about the Chicago Bulls. I'm glad you're comfort comfortable with your masculinity because you're probably the only one that is. But I'm glad you are. Uh, Bulls knocked off the Celtics yesterday, big dog. Not an insignificant victory. They do it without Derrick Rose. They do it without Richard Hamilton. 89-80, to 80, and I only watched the last six minutes of the game, and I'm like, there's one guy dominating the ball, taking over the game, literally taking almost every shot, Mike James. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? But I don't know if you watched the end of the game, but it was Mike James, the 13th player on a 12-man roster, our fourth point guard, who literally... Put the game in his hands the last six minutes. No, yeah, I know who I know who he is, and as a matter of fact, we don't we 
we add one word whenever he makes a play in this house. And if do you know do you ever know who Rick James is, coach? Yes. You know, did you ever see the Dave Chappelle show? Yes. Do you ever know how he used to say Rick James' name? No. Well, everybody out there that can imagine kind of goes, they just, Rick James, right? <laughs> okay. Well, let's say every time uh, he drops a dime, a no-look dime pass from the top of the key to Carlos <laughs> Boozer on point, Mike James, and then we scream the word. It, it rhymes with itch, if everybody can get it. Okay, so it, we, we were having a good time last night at the house with Mike James, without question. That was a good time last night. Excellent. So, Excellent. But, it was uh, a four-stringer. The fourth stringer. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the, the, well, I'll look at it. The glass half full, you got a, a fourth guard. The fourth point guard on the team taking charge, feeling confident enough. You know, again, I'll look at it glass half full to take charge down the stretch against a pretty good Boston Celtic team. That shows the tremendous depth that our Chicago Bull have, Big Dumb. Yeah, there, there's two guys with world championship rings on the team, uh, and one of them, Rich Hamilton, isn't playing. The other one is. Mike James, itch. Okay. <laughs> now you're going to get me doing that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just uh, too much fun to say you, it. So you, everybody in the house is liking it. Now, so. you know what the playbook. Wednesday, March 14th, when we're there for the Bulls of Miami. I don't know if Mike James is going to get in the game, but if he does, and if he happens to get a couple of baskets, you will be leading the entire bar in a, you say it better than I do. Okay. Well, I definitely will. I, 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 and hopefully, by then, we don't have. It's a blowout, and he's playing the game late because I do not really want my James playing in the Heat game yeah. on March 14th. Well, then you would not appreciate. It. He was quoted after the game. Now, apparently, uh-huh. he got a little carried away with his, you know, good game yesterday. But he basically told Tom Thibodeau and the media, "It's my team now." I like to take charge, point guard, coach. Yep, Mike James taking over the team. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Yes, big duck. He, uh, it was great. He had like four great possessions in a row, and all of us are loving it. We're going crazy in the house, and all of a sudden he dribbled and tripped over the ball and fell down. It was, it was, it was, it was are you serious? Would, like, we would wait for Jeremy Lynn to do this, okay? And instead of even messing up, he just continues to win games, even though he has the record for most turnovers in the six game period. But that was, don't forget, that was what happened after. Right when we thought Mike James could be a legitimate backup for this team, he tripped over the <laughs> basketball he was dribbling. I honestly don't know if I've ever seen that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Hate when that happens. Yeah, Joe Noah, by the way, 15 points, 16 rebounds. He started off the season a little bit slow, but he's playing just outstanding now. He and Boozer starting to work well together. Luol Dang, we talked about him yesterday, big dog. Deserved first nomination to the All-Star team, and he had a great game yesterday, 23 points, 10 Assist. He's become quite a good passer with Derrick Rose out of the lineup. You know, that was one of his, I would say, his biggest weakness when he came into the NBA. And now he has consecutive uh, double-digit assist games. The first time a Bulls forward has done that since Pippen in 97. So that's, uh, that's getting it done right there. So that is a guy that every year he's been in the NBA, he has gotten a lot better. And then before the wrist injury, like you were saying, he was playing as well as any any forward in the league outside of uh, the the best player for 46 minutes of the game, uh, LeBron James, mm-hmm. Miami. All right, so we'll see if the Bulls can uh, keep it going. They play New Jersey on Saturday. The New York Knicks, by the way, our uh, fine research staff has uh, dug into their crack box and told us that the New York Knicks will be hosting the New Orleans Hornets uh, tonight, big dog. And I am trying to think of even one player, the New Orleans Hornets, not Emma Okafor. 
You can start naming them. Yeah, uh, Mecca Okafor is, is there. Why do I keep confusing the Charlotte Bobcat and the New Orleans Hornets? Uh, because the Charlotte Hornets were once there, and a Mecca Okafor okay. once played for the Charlotte Bobcats. Okay. So that really messes you up, Coach. But Emeka Okafor I, I, is now a New Orleans Hornet. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Yes, and, uh, Eric Gordon is there. I don't know if he's available to play just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Trevor Ariza there. Ah. I don't know if he's available to play That's just right. yet. That's right. That's the team the Bulls <laughs> played recently where they started literally five foreign-born players. They had uh, they had uh, the guy from Mexico that he can't speak a lick of English. Len, but they love I think his anyway. name is Len Smith. Yeah, okay, that's his, that dude. And then they have uh, the Bill uh, Banalio, the B A N N I L O. Oh yeah, that's right. He, and ironically, he doesn't like Italian food. So if it wasn't for Will Ferrell, nobody would know who played on the Charlotte Hornets. Okay, but because Will Hor- Will Ferrell did their address. At- those guys might have been like, oh, yeah, well, we're a bunch of jokesters now. When I just I listen to Bell Biff, oh, well, yeah, real funny. Well, guess what? Everybody knows that you play in the NBA now because if it wasn't for that, no one would have ever noticed. Will, Will Ferrell took a lot of heat for that. I thought it was good. I, I thought, thought it was, he was funny. He took who, who gave him heat? That was great. Oh, what do you mean who was... gave him heat? Everybody did. I think that the, probably from what I heard on talk radio and reading, it was 80% negative on Will Ferrell, 20% positive. I don't think it was the funniest thing I ever heard, but I thought it was good. Coach, I, I honestly listened to about 15 minutes worth of talk radio a day, and that's when I put away the dishes. Okay, I do not, so I, I, I so I can't tell you. I, I listen, don't listen he, to any of that. Trust me, he took some Miami Heat for that uh, performance. Oh, that's, people, then people need to just get, the, why is people so negative and angry? <laughs> oh, he did something different, and, and he had fun. Yeah, and there was actually about a thousand more people in the attendance because two days earlier they heard in Charlotte that Will Ferrell was going to do the announcement, and that thousand bucks was about sixty thousand dollars to the organization, and it paid for one of their guys' salary for the day. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, we think about that how important it was. It, if you have twenty thousand people, you start doing goofy stuff just to make a laughing stock out of your organization. It's one thing, but if you're Detroit right now, who had uh, 1,100 people at a basketball game recently, you better figure out a way to get somebody in there. And if it means having Bozo to Clown juggle before the game and it brings in another 1,000 people, I hate to tell you, but that's what you have to do. Detroit Pistons had 1,100 fans? Yes. Ouch. And th- it's bad Ouch. out there, Coach. Oh, boy, that hurts. Oh, yeah. oh, how the mighty have fallen. Hey, we got to move off the basketball front. Other stories to talk about. Big Dog, we opened up the show uh, with pitchers and catchers reporting Starting tomorrow, very, very exciting. But uh, real quick, before we forget, we do got to mention, uh, on a sad note, our obituary of the day, unfortunately, catcher Gary Carter, uh, Montreal Expo, New York Met, passed away at the age of 57. He got the brain cancer about a year ago. It spread fast. Really, really sad, Big Dub. But Gary Carter, uh, dead at the age of 57. Uh, the, the greatest compliment I could pay to Gary Carter is the fact that I hated him playing against him as a, as a diehard Cubs fan growing up. That guy was always happy. I was like, it just drove me crazy. He would, you know, he'd go 0 for 4 and the Expos would win 3 to 2 off of Steve Rogers' complete game and he'd run out there hugging the pitcher and I was like, what are you so happy about? You had a bad game. You know, it just drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't get it as a kid that he was the catcher and he actually had a great game. You know, and later, like as I've grown up, like and I've realized, you know, what the game's all about. 
man, you know, I, like I just I was smart for hating him when I was a kid because he was killing the Cubs, but I didn't really realize how much fun it was having. I saw something this morning, Coach, that, that kind of made me like well up emotionally. On ESPN, they show Gary Carter's last at bat for the Montreal Expos. He went back to Montreal after a stint in the, with the Giants, and I didn't know that he had played for the Dodgers. That was probably like for like half a season, mm-hmm. but he ended up on the Expos. Just so happened it was against the Chicago Cubs. And it was the last game of the season. It was late in the game. And he hits a rocket over Andre Dawson's head, and it drives in the winning run. And when he got to second base, you know, they, they, the, the crowd in Montreal went crazy. They loved him because he was the only baseball player that decided to learn French when he got there. So they, the fans were like, hey, you, you care. You want to be part of Montreal? We're going to like you now. So he was like the, most, the biggest fan favorite ever that uh, came from that organization. Well, it just so happened that Harry Carey was, they showed, the, not the Montreal, uh, they didn't have the Montreal feed, they had the Harry Carey feed. And it just goes to show, Harry Carey was the greatest announcer, because when that play happened, Harry, you would have thought Harry it was the home announcer, Coach. So he was so excited about, like, that he had just driven in the, the, the winning run. This is 1992, the Cubs were out of the playoffs at this point. And I was just proud that, that Harry Carey was out. Our, our guy, because when he was on second base, he was like, oh, what an emotional moment. Listen to this crowd. Did, uh, uh, so what, was part of the emotion, Big Dog, had he announced this was going to be his final game, final season? Oh, yeah, they all knew. Okay. They all knew. Okay. That was, yeah, that, and so you, that's I, the I part I wasn't sure. Love, okay. Just because the way Harry was, the stuff he said, you knew that it was his last game. It was okay. his last at-bat. You, you can totally tell. And it was just amazing how joyous Harry Carey was as the yep. opposing announcer yep. calling this event. And I'm not kidding you, when I found out he died yesterday, I had said, I was like, I remember how much Harry Carey loved Gary Carter. I didn't know he had done that. Because I was in college September 27th of 1992, and uh, that would be a Sunday night. There is no possible way I was watching a Cub game is the best thing. I was watching football at mm-hmm. that moment, so I had definitely did not see that moment. I think a so White Sox announcer cool. Ken Hawk Harrelson also had the call on that, and it went something like this, final at bat ever for Gary Carr, possibly winning run on second base. There's a drive over Dawson's head. Carter's at second base. Expos win the game. White Sox lose. It wouldn't even be that much. Yeah, you're right. I, I got too excited for the that bad for the future Hall of Famer. Drive. Right field. Dang it. Sox lose. And it, uh, They're going to wait about a minute or two. And, and we'll little... see you next season, April 1st. <laughs> Bye, everybody. And then we'll just hang out. That's how he, he wouldn't even say Sox lose. He would just say, we'll see you next season. <laughs> Yes, A uh, little side note of cross-promotion here. Up on the uh, Talk Zone Facebook page, we have an interview with Andre Dawson talking about Gary Carter. Very that cool. That took place uh, late yesterday afternoon. Excellent. I want oh, to watch excellent. Uh, Elliot Harrison, David Spada did the interview. Ah. So, well, what's, your, what's, your, what's the name of their show? Sports, Sports and, and Torts. Torts, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, and if you think, I just realized it. I, he hit the ball over Andre Dawson's head. And Andre Dawson was his teammate and, like, a fellow all-star for years. And they pretty much came up together in the Montreal system. And it's funny because, you know, Andre, Andre Dawson was a straight edge. He didn't go out and drinking and partying and carousing and doing cocaine like a lot of the players in the 80s were. Gary Carter was the same way. He was just always happy. And it's funny because on the Mets, the Mets teams talk about this. 
you know, and the Mets, he didn't really get along with the guys because out of the 25 players on the Mets, 24 of them drank all night. Uh, about 20 of them did cocaine all night. I'm not kidding. That's about right. It was ridiculous. You hear the Lenny Dykstra and the Gooden and the Strawberry stories. It's just like, wow. And, you know, later on in life, they're like, we realized we, what a good guy he was. And we didn't really, we looked at him like as an outsider almost on the team. They were admitting this, and I was like, this is actually kind of cool. And isn't it strange, you know, Walter Payton dies at 47. Lawrence Taylor's going to live to be 75. I'll guarantee that much. Lawrence Taylor's in a crack den somewhere right now. And uh, all those guys on the mess. Gary Carter goes first. The Strawberry, Gooden, they'll, they'll live to be in their 70s. And mm-hmm. all they did was just hardy while they were playing professional baseball. I believe they call that irony. Uh, Gary Carter's nickname, by the way, was Kid. And it was basically for his youthful exuberance. And you're exactly right. It took a lot of heat, not only from his from opposing teams and opposing fans because of his sometimes over-enthusiasm and reaction to positive things, but a little bit from his teammates, too. But as you look back on a big dog, and especially as jaded we are now with some of the professional athletes, that was genuine enthusiasm and love of the game. And I think all of us that looked negative back then, I think we got a better perspective now and appreciate what Gary Carter was all about. Coach, I swear to you, that's how I used to play baseball and football. I was celebrating... Congrats, always doing that. And it's funny, as I hated Gary Carter as an opponent, I hated him. Throw me crazy because I actually, that's, I really think that's how you help win. If you are infectiously optimistic and positive and happy around your teammates and you try 100%, you, you, you can't try 100% and play stupid and have this, then you don't, you're not a leader at all. Mm-hmm. But if you, you play smart and you play hard, and you're always positive and optimistic, you end up creating a winning atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Montreal was the bottom of baseball until Gary Carter took over as the catcher of that team. You know, the Mets were always, oh, look, the Mets have the best pitching in baseball. But they, you know, they can't get it done. All of a sudden, he becomes the catcher there. They win the World Series. And, and by the way, well, he was batting. To, with- to be fair, it was more than Gary Carter. They had a, I mean, Montreal actually got to be a pretty cool team. They had the great outfield of uh, Andre Dawson, Timmy Raines. You remember the third outfielder? Uh, well, it all depends because you might get it. You're getting it totally wrong because if you're talking about the one with Timmy Raines, it was Warren Cromartie. That's the guy I'm talking, talking about. about. Oh, you're talking about Warren Cromartie. Yeah. Because the greatest, the greatest outfielder that never became anything in Montreal was Ellis Valentine. Yeah, but he was, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, and I probably don't because my memory is shot these okay. days, but it was Dawson, Raines, Raines, and Warren Cromartie, a very young, exciting, and talented outfield for your Montreal Expo. That's why I was surprised that you actually got it right, Coach. Yeah, well, you know, once in a while I can pull off the shutter. <laughs> no, no, that was a great team. But let, let's face it, like, you know, it, he was the, the kingpin. You look back, he was the linchpin of that team. He was the leader of it and stuff. Reigns wasn't the leader. Dawson was the quiet, stoic leader. And it, when, you know, the Mets had a – they came really close a bunch of years, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden they get they get Carter, and they went over the top after that. So, My favorite Montreal that, Expo pitcher of all time, Steve Renko, I think was his name. I got a baseball card of him. He's all arms and legs with a small head. Very weird looking dude. At any rate, we're past. That's funny because my favorite Montreal pitcher expert all time, Woody Fryman, and he was no arms, no legs, and all belly. (laughs) So if you put the two bodies together, you could actually have potentially a swimsuit, Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Yeah, and if you think about it, if they had a love child and their name was Woody Fryman Ranko. Not bad. Or uh, Fryman sounds pretty good. Goodness. I, I still remember Woody Fryman as a Philadelphia Philly, but that's just me. But yeah, thank you, by the way. I, yeah. uh, you know, again, 10 years doing the show yesterday, who did he give us? He gave us, uh, oh, Lafayette Fat Slaver. 
Uh-huh. A tremendous name for the past. These are things that make my day, Big Dog, and today, just for the mention, 10 years of doing sports radio with you, Woody Fryman's name has not come up. Used to love it, Woody Fryman. Thank you for bringing him up. Yeah, he was a tough lefty coach. He was like a John Lennon, but fatter. Yeah. With apologies to Clint Eastwood, you have again made my day. Lafayette, fat sleever, followed up by Woody Freeman. Thank you very much. All right, moving from the uh, Gary Carter, very, very sad, and the, the, the little talk that you just gave, Big Dog, I would hope at some point many baseball managers, including our brand-new Chicago Cub manager, Dale Swaim, I, pronounce, uh, I, I think you pronounced his last name, at some point during their spring training in the next two, three, four weeks, maybe sooner than later, some of these coaches, when they're working with the players and having a little sit-down, could use Gary Carter as a great example of what we're trying to accomplish here a little bit and the proper attitude for baseball. Um, and if anybody, you know, I, I don't want them, I don't want Theo and all these guys to come in here and be like, hey, we did it in Boston, so that's why we're right. But, you know, that, that 2004 Boston team, was not as talented as some other Boston teams that they had, but remember they would call themselves the idiots. And they went to the park and they played 100% all out every single game. And if they were thrown out at home and got tagged in the face and looked bad, they would get back to the close dugout and the whole team would be laughing at them and making fun of them. You gotta like, I mean, I don't know what, what does happen. Does winning breed a winning a culture or does a winning culture breed winning? You know what? I don't know what it is, Coach, but I do know if you just go out there and realize you're getting paid to play a game, go out and have some freaking fun doing it. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Well, hopefully that message will be passed along to some of the young players. Our beloved Chicago Cup team, Big Dog, gathering for the first time, pitchers and catchers and who knows, maybe a few, few outfielders will wander by as well, but they're gathering tomorrow, the baseball season. Is upon us. Somebody I read in the paper said that they're, uh, the t-shirt that is going to be worn at spring training and sold. Usually it's wait till next year. This year's Cub t-shirt is going to be wait till the year after next. I don't know if it has the same ring to it, but it's probably pretty accurate. Uh, you know what? Uh, your type of pessimism and, and poo-pooing the, the Chicago Cubs is, is, Another, you know, like, just get on board, Coach. Just get on board. Just stack it up so if all of a sudden there's another rough season, you can say, I told oh, yeah, you so. Don't, don't, don't put it on me. I'm just reading the script. I didn't say that's the way I feel. You know me. I'm the ultimate optimist. Every, you know, there, there is no such thing as rebuilding in sports anymore. Any team can get hot and win it. So on day one, I'll be right with the, the beloved Chicago Cub. I just thought it was kind of humorous that they're, uh, they may be printing those T-shirts and if you if you look at the best teams in baseball right now, every one of those, not everyone, but there's a bunch that have come out of nowhere and all of a sudden our really good teams are going to stick around and contend for at least their league championships. You're talking about the Rangers. Three years ago, no one would ever thought the Rangers could possibly win two American League titles consecutively, let alone win their division, coach. Okay? And the same with the Tampa Bay Rays. In 2007, they were the laughing stock of baseball. And now the last couple of years, they contend for the American League East every year. So I don't think that the Cubs can't turn it around. I don't think they were that many players away from winning about 10 more games last year. They won 10 more games last year. They win the division that of the team that won the World Series. I love it. We got the big dogs' juices flowing here on a February 16th. Already talking about, hey. 
Anything can happen this year. And it's Michael Jordan's birthday. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but you gave the wrong date, and it's Michael Jordan's birthday. You got to get this holy date correct. Sorry about that. Forty-nine years old. Happy birthday to Michael Jordan. I don't know how much he's enjoying it because he's currently the team president and owner of one of the worst NBA teams we've ever seen. But uh, I love your enthusiasm. Pitchers and catchers reporting, Big Dog. Opening day still six weeks away, but you sound like you're ready to uh, go out there and throw the. Sounds like you could go a couple innings, maybe middle relief at this point. It's it's a. I, there's a different philosophy all of a sudden. It's like a, a team that gets it. They're not trying to make people in Iowa and Indiana buy busloads of tickets because, hey, hey, they signed Candy Maldonado. They're going to try to win this year. No, they ain't like that. They're like, hey, we don't care if you come in. We're going to build an organization here, and eventually you're going to be begging to buy our, our season ticket waiting list. So I, I really feel they're doing it the right way, Coach. So I'm on board. By the way, oh, speaking of baseball, very, very excited. Big Dog, one of our favorite TV shows coming back on Sunday. Now, I know you lost your HBO, so I think you possibly are behind a little bit, but you were the guy who turned me onto this show. But it's back after about a one-year hiatus. East bound and down with our guy Danny McBride reappears for Season 3 starting Sunday at 9 o'clock, 8 Central. Um, you missed Season 2, didn't you? I, don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch all the episodes soon. I'm just gonna it's gonna do yes. it all in one day. Uh, it's and I, I'm gonna get it done, uh, Coach. It's without question some of the most educational and heartfelt <laughs> television that you can find. Well. Or maybe I'm being a little bit sarcastic. <laughs> yes, you are. I don't know about the educational part, but entertaining it is. And something about Danny McBride, he's like this. He's just nasty, and he's not a nice guy, but he's still entertaining to watch. Uh, that, I, I can. Why can't I think of his name on the show? You, 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 Kenny. you call him Danny, and I can't think of his real Kenny name. Powers. I mean, Kenny, Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers. Yeah. yeah. And his assistant guy. Now, you again. You didn't see year two. So the uh, assistant, the little nerd who keeps following him around. Uh huh. He has picked up even a more major part. And I did watch last night. They had the uh, season ending from season two, just so I could get juiced up for Sunday, and he, he, he's getting a, a bigger part of it. He's pretty classic, too. There's one scene in particular where they're arrested in jail with four or five other large Mexican guys in the jail as they're in Mexico, and uh-huh. he happens to be using the one toilet in the group prison. Uh-huh. And let's just say it's a pretty funny scene. But it's a good show, and it is uh, reappearing on Sunday. I think season three, right, David? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, third and final, I believe. Oh, that that makes about sense. HBO does that. that the best show HBO ever had was was Deadwood, and they did that too. They like left mm-hmm. everybody. They kept on telling you, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna do another season," but at least they told you at HBO that they weren't going to do anymore. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so that's uh, coming back. I'm gonna get our baseball fever coming up. Very exciting. Pitchers and catchers reporting over the weekend. We got March Madness coming up. Big dog. The brackets and. Uh, and uh, bubble teams and conference tournaments not that far away. We still got to finish up the regular season, and you and me are two proponents where you know everybody starts looking ahead to where we're we going to be seated and blah 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 blah. Let us not put out. You and me have to do this on occasion. Friendly reminder that conference championships mean a lot, and teams right now, including Michigan State, that knocked off Wisconsin last night to move into a tie with Ohio State. There's still and I don't I don't not many people talk about it, but there still should should be in emphasis on conference championships. That's what they're battling for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know what, Coach? I, I, I completely understand if you're, uh, like, you know, if you're Florida A&M and, you, and you're not too concerned about winning your conference championship but you want to win that 
the postseason conference championship. But I think for like the Big Ten, the Big East, the ACC, the SEC, I mean, there's something to be said about being the regular season yes. champion. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Ohio State has an easier schedule the rest of the way than Michigan State does. So there's a chance that uh, they might be like a game ahead by the time, but they play the last day of the season. And it's going to be a winner-take-all Big Ten. Wait, Michigan State, uh, Ohio State, the final game? Yes, Ohio State goes to Michigan State wow. the last day of the Big Ten season. Uh, so I'm like keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, Cloudy is a diehard Ohio State fan, and he has a little bit of your uh, disease. And he's like, you know, all I care about is the national championship. And I can understand that when a team is that good at the beginning of the year, and that's what you're dreaming of, I could, I could appreciate that, but... Uh, you know, it's awfully good if you could put a Big Ten championship as a feather in your hat. I, and I, considering they won two in a row to win three, that's never happened. Okay, no one's ever won three Big Ten undisputed championships in a row ever. So that's it's. You know, this is a pretty good basketball conference, coach. And you know, if I was a fan of that team, that'd be the. I'd be like, I'd like to do that. That'd be nice. Somebody so, recently told me out Thad Mata is not that good a coach. Just a good recruiter, he can't coach. I'm like, are you crazy? But uh, idiot said that. don't you think, Big Dog, is that? thought about this here it's really the media the experts the studio guys and to a lesser extent the actual play-by-play and color announcers that are kind of feeding this you rarely hear them talk about or emphasize significance of games and conference championship most of their banter when they show the you know the standings or the stats is you know bubble teams and go to the ncaa tournament. they'll show the standings but I think, and feel free to differ, I think the media is primary in the lack of emphasis on the battle for individual conference championships. You know, you're probably right about that somewhat, but don't forget the media gives the people what they want. And we're, we are a little bit I don't know if I agree with that. Coach, I, I, think, I, I think so in a little bit. And, and don't forget, the, the, they also have so much money on March Madness that they kind of want to emphasize that anyway. They don't want to dilute March Madness at all in any sense. So maybe there's a little bit of that factor in it, but there's also a lot of factor where a lot of people don't care about college basketball until late February anyway. So mm-hmm. and that's right or wrong. I'm not getting into all that. Now, there's guys like you and me that care about these games that even in, you know, January, uh, you know, when everybody's still in love with football, I'm making, I'm watching Illinois versus Minnesota. I'm watching all these games. And, <laughs> um, Totally losing track what, I, what my point was going to be on this. So, uh, well, let me let me ask you this: as the teams, you know, start to jockey for positions. Well, first of all, let me mention you talked about Michigan State and Ohio State playing the final game, and I had this in my notes for today too. As Michigan State beats Wisconsin yesterday, uh, the great Tom Izzo, we kidded him. Our our old radio producer, the Swamp Rat, used to you know kid him because his ego has gotten a little big that he calls himself the great Tom Izzo. But you know what? You got to give this guy a whole lot of credit because this year's Michigan State team not picked at the top of the Big Ten. They really had one and a half proven players coming back, Draymond Green and a little bit Luke Apple in the guard, and they were not mentioned in the national picture or even the Big Ten picture, Big Dog. And here we are after the bump and the grind and the rough ride of December and Jan and February, and at the end of it, who's right there on top? The Michigan State Spartans. You got to give Tom Izzo credit. The man can coach. Give him his credit, and and yet it's. He really is great for the simple fact that you're not surprised at all. Okay, it's the usual stuff. Uh, you know, this, this year I'm surprised. 
I guess so, because there really is not a lot of experience. You do have a lot, normally Michigan State is loaded with, with juniors and seniors, so I don't know how they do it, but here right this year, it's like Draymond Green and a bunch of sophomores. It's the whole team. Illinois' so, individual talent, significantly better than Michigan State's. You would say significant. I don't know that the, the, the Fleming kid's a pretty good guard coach. Was it Feldman or Fleming, whatever? The, I mean, the kid's pretty decent. Uh, so, but maybe significantly. You know, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah. I'm thinking about it, and Illinois has more talent than Michigan State. Mm-hmm. They just play tough, and as Bruce Weber's freely admitted, they've got that culture of mental toughness, the culture of winning there. At any rate, just as a side note, credit to uh, Michigan State. But it's going to be a lot of fun talking March Madness, Big Dog, and uh, coming up in the not-too-distant big college basketball game. We should mention, too, that our beloved Blackhawk, before we close out our Friday show, wish everybody a great weekend. They did break the nine-game losing streak, Dog. Hopefully that'll get them uh, maybe a little bit of a win streak and a bounce back. Uh, I thoroughly believe the Rangers were all partying the night before. <laughs> that happens. Don't think it doesn't. Or were they concentrating too much on the Jeremy Lin sensation? They took their their minds off the prize. They were out watching Jeremy Lin the night before. Lin weakens legs. Do we <laughs> Do we have any reports on the Jeremy Lin's social life, married, dating, available? Uh, he had he had been on uh, Single dot com for four years, never got a response <laughs> back, and now there's 800 phone messages on his uh, on his answer machine. So. E Harmony has already offered him a multi million dollar deal. Yeah, nobody wanted to go out with him, and all of a sudden now everybody wants him. So oh, I think he's man. smart enough to realize to set the temper down a little bit. Pick of the litter, pick of the cho- uh, pick and choose. Right now, I think Tim Tebow has expressed interest, but uh, let's not spread that rumor. Hey, he's breaking all stereotypes, Coach. If you know what I'm saying. I hear you. I hear you. Big Dog, I'll leave it up to you to sign off. Have a great weekend, my friend, and final words of wisdom to our two guys that are Mike listeners for the weekend. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Don't forget, Daytona 500. I'm going to pick a winner, so uh, you might want to go on Facebook page. That's this Sunday, correct, or Monday? This, this Sunday. Okay. Oh, by the way, we're not on Monday, correct, David? President's Day, Big Dog. We're off Monday. I won't talk to you Tuesday. Oh, paint oh, 72 towers without the Big Dog. All right, we'll see everybody Tuesday at 10. Monday will be a replay show. Have a great weekend and a great President's Day. For the TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic, we're signing off.